Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 47 for the week of April 20th, 2018. What's up, Adam? We're doing a double header. We so are, yes. We're going to be gone this week. This is a Back to the Future episode. Yes, we're recording it in advance because I will be at the Overlook Film Festival and you yep. have some travels of your own. Yep. And so when you're actually listening to this, Adam will be in New Orleans, New Orleans at a horror film festival being captured and tied up I'm not and doing, tortured. No, I'm going to do some immersive theater, but Blackout is right off my list. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to call it on the show right here. This is like the gateway drug to get you in. Next year, it will be full-on torture. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I've i seen Haunters. I've seen some other documentaries, and Blackout is not for me. Oh, man. And I like haunted houses. Yeah. I go through some of the mainstream ones. but uh, Nope, not me. I'm not looking for the more extreme kind where sure. you're, you're by yourself, you're tortured, you're humiliated. Right. That's not for me. No, I like I'd sit in a theater, you know. I'd rather watch it on the big screen than have it happen to me. I don't. I'm not going to get any extra benefit from that. Sure, absolutely. But uh, I'm excited for today's episode because we have three amazing uh, to discuss movies. I don't know if we have three amazing. But go ahead. Yeah, Adam. yeah. No, this is while we're gone. We're telling you. I think all these movies are worth seeing. So. Yep, I, I, I'm going to say that as well too. And so we're going to review what sounds like a sleeper could be a sleeper hit. A Quiet Place. It's an actual hit. It's made a lot of money. Yeah, I think by the time this episode rolls around, we're going to be into another big weekend for it. And uh, yeah, that's exciting. Then we're going to do, we're going to kind of slide into a quirky little bit, you know, independent Isle of a Wes Anderson flick. And it's a Wes Anderson flick. It, it, it is most certainly that. Yes, absolutely. Isle of Dogs. And then we're going to go completely off the beaten path with the film many of you may have never even heard of called The Death of Stalin. And this one has just played the film festival circuit. It now has a quiet release yeah, in some I, indie theaters. Yeah, I actually saw it at our independent film theater, The Gateway, this morning. Um, and it actually doesn't release until the weekend, I think. So they must have somehow got it a little bit early and was able to, to screen it. But uh Yes, yeah, so I'm excited to get into those and talk some of these different movies with you. If you're just listening to the Film Coterie for the first time, we are a general movie podcast. We're just two guys here in Columbus, Ohio that love movies and love going to events and film festivals. And, and we, you know, we just love all things film, cinema. I'm more of a classic movie guy and Adam's more of a horror movie guy. I live off the beaten path. He does. I truly love the weird and, and I, wild. And I live in the silver screen, the silver cinema. So, uh, But we love, really love all movies of all genres. I'll see just about literally anything. So, Except Hereditary. Except Hereditary. I am not going to see Hereditary. That's too, that movie is too freaking scary. I'm and, just telling you. And that's you. just the trailer. Yeah. That trailer was weird. Some kind of woman that makes dolls in a dollhouse. And we, and I don't even know if that ties in. That was the weirdest, freakiest, scariest two minutes that I've had in a long time. I hope the movie lives up to the hype. But that's one of the best trailers I've seen in years because it's very effective at getting the atmosphere and mood of the movie across. You're not without, without giving away the threat. We don't know what it's about. We don't see that it's a ghost or there's rules or well, who you, knows what. When when you come back, you can fully spoil it for me. <laughs> I'll think about it. Because <laughs> I'm not going to go see this movie. 
<laughs> I'll have to schedule something tonight. Our group goes to see it on Thursday. <laughs> oh, man. But anything else exciting happening, Adam, besides you're traveling down to New Orleans? Yeah, I'm going to have a lot of Overlook coverage, so you definitely want to follow us yep. for that. And when you come back, man, we've got Avengers. And then Avengers it's the week after It's on the horizon. That. It's next week's, next week's podcast will be Avengers. And the start of a wild ride, because we start with Avengers, and then in the next 30 days, we have Deadpool 2 and Solo. I, I'm telling you, it's just, a, it's, I just love going to the movies. It's just a great season. <laughs> I love it. We're just cranking right in. And then before we know it, we're full-blown summer blockbusters. Here, and that's man. the thing I like. I mean, I'm in the mood for some summer blockbusters, but yeah. just when you're getting sick of them, fall hits and all the great award contenders oh, come out. It's great. And that's the that's the perfect antithesis to the yep. summer blockbuster. Absolutely. So, well, I think we ought to jump right into A Quiet Place. Let's, let's listen, if we can, to a little bit of the preview of A Quiet Place, and we'll come back and talk about it. You're listening to The Film Coterie. At the beginning of the film, you meet a family, and they seem to be living silently. There's been an invasion, and most of the Earth has been wiped out. If you make sound, something will come and get you. That's the real challenge they face, a family with young children who have to live silently. For me, in many ways, as a mother, it represented my deepest fear. Who are we if we can't protect them? It's about what they're having to overcome, and it is the most tense film, just because it's so very frightening. We are back, and we are about to discuss... Not so quietly, but we will discuss A Quiet Place, the new film that has gotten a lot of buzz. We've heard a lot of people talking about it. It's from John Krasinski, who you'll recognize most likely as Jim from the U.S. version of The Office. And its premise is very simple. It's a family living in an apocalypse where they must yeah. remain quiet. There are creatures out there that hunt by noise. And that's really it. It's just about a family trying to survive in this world. And it's very effective at what it does. It has some of the best sound design I've heard in quite some time for this movie. Oh, you can't read my sign language, can you? No. no. <laughs> Neither of us is is well versed in sign language, but it's it's effectively used in yes, this movie. Yes, it really is. And um, I have to say, I, I just love this movie. I mean, I really, really enjoyed this movie a lot. Because it's what it's what I would call um, popcorn horror, lighter horror, uh, mainstream. It's PG thirteen horror. Yeah, you know it's it's mainstream. It's um, uses a lot of tension and quiet, and then jump scares, that kind of thing. Effective jump scares. Oh yes, very effective. They can be overused in movies. I like a good jump scare when it's well designed. Yeah. Here, it's so fitting to the world because you're trying to remain quiet. Yes. You know, and sudden noises and the monsters hunting around. All the jump scares I thought were effective. I thought they were great. And I saw it in a packed theater. When I went, I mean, I was shocked. I, I went and saw it. And um, uh, when I went to get my ticket, there were only two, the only seats were available in the first two rows. 
And so I luckily saw that there were like three or four empty seats in the middle, right in the middle. And I was able to kind of hang around outside. And after it started, nobody sat down there. So I just went and sat in the middle, you know, but it was like packed out, man. And the crowd was into it. I have never been in a theater so quiet for so long in my whole life. I mean, you could almost hear people breathing around you. It yeah, was, you're very conscious of the noises you make. I, like, I mean, you, you're not wanting to make any noise. So every little noise you just made is amplified. And that almost affects the movie. It gives it more uh, an added effect that you don't normally get in a movie. So the Draft House Theater chain had a special menu for the movie where they weren't serving any loud food. There was no popcorn. There's nothing else. It was stuff like fresh fruit. It was uh, a soft pretzel. Things you could actually eat quietly. No chips, nothing you're going to munch on. And they were even taking, because you get a water cup when you go in. Right. They were even taking the ice out of those. So they were trying to create a, a quiet environment yeah. for this film. Because the film is very quiet. Not that it's silent. It is not a silent There's, film. It is not. No. The sound design lets you hear footsteps and yes. wind and rustling. Very effectively. Yes. You want to see this in a good theater to really appreciate the sound mix. It's not going to be the same at home. I can't recommend that you see this in a theater enough because I, I think it's a very good experience in the theater. No, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. And so, um, the, the premise of the movie, which, which I want to talk about just a minute, it, I think is great. Um, and I want to talk about the chemistry between Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. Now I, unfortunately I have never seen the office. So I didn't know this guy at all, you know, and, but I had, you know, I had that feeling like I've seen this guy before, but I thought some of the best on-screen chemistry between them as husband and wife was great. I mean, I just, I literally felt like, I mean, in just in a minute, I, there was no acting. They were just husband and wife existing in this world, which they are in real life. Yeah, I mean, so so it was it, it it just works. A lot of times that doesn't carry over to the screen. And not only are they a husband and wife in real life, they have children, which you know helps them into the role of mom yes. and dad. They're very natural. The whole family has great chemistry. You you instantly buy their bond. Absolutely. And then let's get to the most powerful plot device in the whole movie for me, and that is there's a little girl that's deaf, mm -hmm. and every time it switches to her perspective. The movie, the, the screen literally goes completely silent. Well, in and out because she has a hearing aid that's malfunctioning. Well, yes. And sometimes you get a little bit of sound. Just, a, just, just a tiny little the, bit. The louder noises will come through. Yes. But it's mostly silent. And it's and muffled. Sometimes, yeah, it's muffled, and sometimes it's just absolutely silent when her hearing aid is completely out. So that is just some of the examples of the great sound. And I'm design. telling you, every time it would cut to her perspective, the tension went up in the theater. Because here's a little girl that's defenseless. Not only is she, she needs to be silent, but she can't tell she makes, I mean, if she'd knock over a bunch of plates behind her, she may not even hear it. And she, the monsters aren't quiet. They're big and they're noisy yes. and she can't hear them coming if, if something's coming oh, behind her. Yeah. So it, it, it really played great. I mean, it really, I thought the, 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 I thought, um, I thought all the kids did great. They use a Adams trained me enough. They use a certain plot device in the beginning to let you know that all bits are off. It sets the stakes. Yeah. So you don't feel that any particular character is safe. Yeah. Let's you know that nobody is safe. And this is a movie about a family. There's no red shirts. No, there's no cannon fodder. Every, so every character in the movie is critical to the story mm -hmm. and you don't want them to die, which I think was great. Because how many horror films do you go to and they have all the red shirts? They kill out 
they kill off you know half the cast before you know and, and you're just waiting to get to the final girl in yes. most horror movies this is not that not at all this is you rooting for this whole family to survive and being yes. worried about every single one of them yes um but but no i thought it was great i thought the sa- the use of sound is, was some of the best i've heard in a movie in a long time i mean just powerful just eerie just i mean foreshadowing they would they would I'll just I'll just share one little snippet, and this is not much of a spoiler. But there's a scene where uh, the mom is walking up the stairs, and her dress catches a nail, and turns the nail up. And you just know, and 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 her her dress moves on, and it just holds on that nail for what seems like an eternity, and just to get just to let it saturate in you to let you know. This is going to, you know, there's no hiding it. Somebody's going to step on this nail and make a huge noise. And then when you see the who who it does, who who steps on the nail, it even adds to the tension of it. It, it was just, I thought, just great. I just, you know, I can't, I, you know, uh, it's it's right. It went right into my best of 2018 list. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, um, I, I thought the movie was great. I recommend it all the time if you like. If you like those kind of horror films, if you like that kind of tension films, um, I, now in spirit of full disclosure, for me at least, you know, you had to really check your brain at the door over one plot device. You know, the way the 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 way the creatures operate is they have super huge audio organs, hull, organs on the side of their heads, no eyes, and I mean the creature design is really fascinating. Thought it was very cool. Uh, but these huge audio device, you know, organs on the side of their their head, and that that's the noise they just hear every little noise, um, and they echolocate, and they echolocate. And I was surprised they didn't, they couldn't hear heartbeats. I thought for sure we'd have a scene where you hear like one of the kids' heart beating really loud, and the creature would hear it. You know, they never went that far or went that with that um, setup, but. I gotta say, it, it first thing when I started to hear it, and I saw that they, they were audio devices. I thought, well, doesn't the army have sonic devices they use, and couldn't they deterrence? You know, deterrence, you know. And I thought, you know, and so so. But if you if you put your you put that out of your mind, and you're like, okay, let's just say it happened real fast, and the army couldn't react or something, you know. And I'll say this, it's not a science situation, because science made me really scratch my head when it came out. Remember the aliens right. were highly sensitive slash allergic to water? Yeah. Which makes no sense when our 70, atmosphere... 70% of the planet is water. Well, and- not even that, our atmosphere, it has H2O. I mean, you know, there's there's moisture in the air. It, it, they wouldn't be able to do anything. Yeah. Anyway, there's nothing like that here. No. I want to praise the screenplay. I thought the screenplay was highly effective. Yep. It, it quickly sets the stake for the movie. It drops you right in. There's no seeing this family before the apocalypse. There's no wasted minutes in this film whatsoever. All the set pieces are designed really well. It's not the same kind of tension over and over again. It separates the family. You're aware of who, who is in which house, where they are, what's going on. It's cutting back and forth really effectively. Yes. And you get... There's a scene in the movie with the father and son that's very touching... And it gives you a chance to release some emotion. 
because they release some emotion. There's a scene where they find a waterfall and he takes him behind them and they can scream because the waterfall drowned. And I thought that was a perfect beat for that movie. Everybody needed a breath. Everybody in that theater needed a minute to go, oh, okay, we can kind of talk and rustle and we can kind of eat our popcorn here real quick, you know, kind of a deal. And then it goes right back into it. But I, that was needed. If they didn't have that scene, boy, that'd have been, I, I'd have been really kind of sore at the end of this movie from white knuckling the whole time. Yeah. And the movie, once it's moving towards the third and final act, it's, it's firing at all cylinders. Oh, yeah. That's when the real threat happens. There's a great tent scene in a grain silo. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, there's so much of this movie I could praise, but I I was hyped going in, and I, I felt that it delivered. Yeah. I think this is one of the better mainstream horror movies in a year, and it's going to cross over. I mean, Get Out came out last February. It's a massive success because yeah. it was a, a more accessible horror movie for mainstream audiences, and I think this is doing the same thing. Yeah, and Get Out, I mean, honestly, is a much better horror film. Yeah. But just because and less mainstream, I'd argue, and less mainstream. But it's also it's such a social movie as well too. There's so much social commentary, less so in this, you know. There's none. Yeah, it, but this is just a good old fun horror ride of a movie, you know, tense thriller of a movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see what uh, John Krasinski does next because he was not a horror fan. He found the script, he helped rewrite it with the original writers, then he directed it. He boned up on his horror right before this. He watched a bunch of movies and got a feel for the tension building and yeah. and all that. And I, I think he nailed it. So allegedly he's working on a sci-fi movie next. So Ooh. I think we have a very uh, – I'm excited. I never saw maybe, his first movie called – Maybe we'll get the spiritual successor to Aliens now. You never know. He's good I have at, no idea what genre it is. He's good at this tension though, uh, you know. Sub-genre it is outside yeah, of sci-fi. sure. But this is a very promising move for him because I never saw the hollers, but it just looked like a typical drama. Right. Yeah. But this A Quiet Place is very masterfully constructed, and it gives me a lot of hope for his career going forward as a writer-director. Yeah. Absolutely. So wholeheartedly, I recommend this movie. Yeah, I did, too. I wholeheartedly recommend it. Absolutely. With the one caveat, I told my own parents, like I, I told my dad he would like it. My mom doesn't deal with tension so well, and I said it's not for her. And I know it's not for her because right. this is a tense movie. It's not just well, like one section. Yeah. It builds and builds. There's a very funny review. I, I don't know the guy's name. He's doing his own review right outside the theater that cracked me up because he talks about it should have just been called tension and he couldn't stop shaking and everything else. He's overreacting to it, but it's funny, and it is a very tense movie. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I, I'm with you, Adam. I completely recommend it. I think it's fun. It's PG-13, so you could take the family. The teenagers would love it. Uh, Mom and dad would like it, yeah. It'll traumatize even around 13. I'd say you'd want oh, older teenagers. Yeah, yeah, you'd want older ones, absolutely. So, All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for A Quiet Place. Let's shift gears. Let's go into the world of Wes Anderson and let's let's look at Isle of Dogs. Let's listen to a little bit of Isle of Dogs, and we'll come back and review it here on The Film Coterie. The Japanese archipelago, 20 years in the future. Canine saturation has reached epidemic proportions. An outbreak of dog flu rips through the city of Megasaki. Mayor Kobayashi issues emergency orders, calling for a hasty quarantine. Trash Island becomes an exiled colony. The Isle of Dogs. 
I don't think I can stomach any more of this garbage. Exactly. Same here. Words out of my mouth. Nobody's giving up around here, and don't you forget it, ever. You're Rex. You're king. You're duke. You're boss. I'm chief. We're a pack of scary, indestructible alpha dogs. Atari Kobayashi, you heroically hijacked a junior turboprop XJ750 and flew it to the island because of your dog. Darn it. I've got a crush on you. We get the idea. You're looking for your lost dog spots. Does anybody know him? I've lost all of my pride. Spots, if he's alive, may very well be living even at this moment as a captive prisoner. Somebody is up to something. Will you help him? The little pilot. Why should I? Because he's a 12-year-old boy. Dogs love those. All right, and we're back, and our next feature is the Wes Anderson film, Isle of Dogs. Sounds like you're saying you love dogs. Well, first of all, I am a dog lover. Yeah, I am too. I have a golden retriever. Named Duke, like one of the characters in the movie. Named Duke, and um, he's my special needs dog. He's very needy. And he has to, uh, he thinks he's a lap dog, you know, so I'm just a dog guy. I love dogs. And this trailer, we saw it last year, I think, was the first time we saw this trailer. And this movie intrigued me. And so I was like, I love stop motion animation films to begin with. Um, And I thought, I want to check this movie out. So I did something I rarely ever do. Well, (laughs) it's kind of funny. My basement's destroyed. I can't do my normal work. So I'm finding myself with a lot of free time during the day, during the week. So I popped down to the movie theater one morning to just, on a whim, see Isle of Dogs. And I'm going to tell you one thing. I found me, I, I, I'm here to admit that I have a huge Wes Anderson hole. In and my, I just learned this tonight. I had no idea you'd missed most, most of his catalog. Of his, most of his catalog I have not seen. And I'm going to shortly remedy that, I can tell you, because it was like I have met the director I've been looking for. I'm telling you, okay, I have to back away from the microphone, but I just flat out loved, I just loved. For me, Isle of Dogs was a five-star movie, as close to as perfect movie as I have seen in a long time. Everything, it's layered, everything about this movie, I just went nuts for. And I found that either Wes Anderson and I think the same way, we like the same kind of humor, his beats of humor just connect with me. I just loved, I just loved Isle of Dogs. And so the premise of this movie is uh, there's a uh, Japanese city, and, and I love how they start out the movie telling you that the dogs are going to speak English. And this is just all up front. You know, he, he, he's laying down his, his, his plot device in front of you, just coming out and saying, here's what it is. The dogs are going to speak English. The, the humans are going to speak Japanese. For their the native part. tongues. They're, they're native tongues, whatever their native tongues are. And where needed, you will, there's no subtitles. But where needed, we'll have an inter- one of three types of interpreters will give you the interpretation, which I thought was quirky, but I got it by the end of the movie, you know? And so here you are, you're, you're watching a whole movie, which is just gorgeous in my opinion. We'll get into that as well, too. 
stop motion animation and it's all from the dog's perspective it's their it's from their view with glints in from the humans you know um and it, the premise is japanese city where there's a, a mysterious movement to get rid of dogs so they comes up with the mysterious dog flu by a cat loving dynasty by a cat loving dynasty <laughs> which was hilarious and so uh, they eventually pack all the dogs up, starting with the mayor's dog, Spots, who was sent to guard Atari, the mayor's adopted son. You know, I mean, all of like these. Like Annie. He was an orphan. Just like Annie. He was an orphan, you know, and set to adopt. And so they start with Spots, and then all the other dogs from the whole city are deported to Trash Island. And when we say Trash Island, I mean Trash Island. And so Atari decides he's going to hop in a plane and he's going to go get his dog and bring him back. And, um, yeah, that's, that's the movie, you know? And I'll say this, I, I'm a big fan of Wes Anderson. I, I like his whole catalog and I'm a little different than some people where I think life aquatic is my favorite movie where a lot of people may lean towards Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, Moonrise Kingdom, but Wes Anderson's movies are very unique. Oh Yeah. There's common threads that run through all of them, whether the way they look, the way the, the way the lines are delivered, and that all of his characters are super sincere. There's yes. almost no joking. Everything's delivered deadpan. A lot of tr- very in earnest and with full truth. Honest, yes. Honest, yes. yes. So um, all his characters always have this honest sincerity, which is kind of true for dogs. You kind of feel like they wouldn't lie or joke, and these dogs are played super serious, but that's what makes them funny. Yes, and just an incredible voice talent pool in this movie. Oh, Brian Cranston and Edward Norton. Just, Bill Murray and Jeff Goldblum. And, and th- they were good. But I'm telling you, Brian Cranston yeah. and Edward Norton just knocked it out of the park. Their, the, the instant chemistry and the way they work together. And, and you know, the whole movie is set in the stage where the first time you go to Trash Island, there's this mysterious package that falls. And this is not giving anything away from the plot. And two two different packs of dogs come up to it, and they're about to break into a fight, and they stop and say, now, wait a minute. Shouldn't we explore the contents of this first? It's very serious. It's you know, that super sincere. Yes. Shouldn't we at least look at the contents before we get into a fight over this? So they peel it back, and it's this rotted this and rotted that and maggots this. And then it's like, yes, we should. Wham! And they're all fighting, you know? <laughs> the dogs fight a lot in this movie. They do a funny thing with like a cotton balls you know it's a kind of a cotton ball cloud yeah. where you just see paws and yeah. tails it's kind of like flail. the old looney tunes warner brothers when they got into a big scrap it's a cloud of fist here paw here ear here that kind of thing you know but that's the funny thing if you've ever been to a dog park that's what dogs like to do they wrestle and fight oh and yeah the movie kind of nails that and the, there's a funny thing with a dog losing its ear and doesn't really oh. care it, it, it's so great there's so many great layers to this film first of all it's just drop dead gorgeous. I mean, some of the there's a couple scenes where the the dogs are walking and the sun setting in the background and there's a drapery behind it and it's just like I can't. It's almost like stop motion animation that's photorealistic and kind of just incredible. I mean, I, I I give it to anybody who has the patience to actually do that. You know. So this is the second animated movie from Wes Anderson. His style translates over perfectly. And his first one is Fantastic Mr. Fox. And what I like about these movies is he couldn't do them live action. No. There's a very 
it's purpose driven. It, it's a good reason that he's doing this with stop ash, stop stop motion because it's it's got that aesthetic. It's got a weird story that wouldn't quite work. The dogs here work better than they ever would CG, and it fits his humor style. Yeah, he translates great to. Animation. I mean, because any stop motion, there's certain jerkiness to the movement of the characters, and he plays that perfectly with the timing of the jokes, and, and it's just it's funny. I. I mean, I'm laughing out loud. It wasn't very many people there, maybe a dozen in this big theater. And I'm just laughing. Didn't care who heard me. I'm just laughing and enjoying the movie. Um, so at first, it's gorgeous. Then secondly, it's um, I loved the fact that they just stayed really honest and true to the different races, cultures, different groups, Um even the villain is supposed to be part of an egalitarian takeover society. The mayor is supposed to be like kind of total control, but it's like, and this is the deadpan humor of it. It's like, he'd say, this is what we're going to do, but we need to hear from the other side. And they'd let, they'd, they'd trounce somebody on there and they would give the most, like, this is what should be done. You know, the real reason. And then they're like, and we're all going to vote this way, and this is the way we're going, you know. And uh, so that that humor was hilarious. I, I loved that. Um, I loved the heart of the story. I loved the American exchange student girl, Greta Gerwig, right? Played Tracy. Played Tracy. From Cincinnati. She was great. There's a great scene. It's right in the trailer, so this is not spoiling anything, where she she's like she's describing Atari, and she's like, and he gets in this jet, and he flies it over, and she goes, Oh, dang it. I've got a crush. <laughs> you know, it's just that kind of deadpan, serious delivery. You know, she puts the whole story together. She, You're going to love Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, my gosh. I cannot wait to fill my Wes Anderson. My Wes Anderson. I, I, probably by the time we have the next podcast, I've caught up, you know. Um, so I'm going on and on and on, Adam. I'm hogging all the time here. I love it. It's fun. Five star. It went right to the top of my best movies of 2018. Rain me in here a little bit. Where, where, where do I need to get reined in here as far as this movie? Um, the one thing I would say is Wes Anderson, this kind of accusation came up when Darjeeling Limited came out. That maybe there was some cultural appropriation going on with the way he was using Indian culture in that movie. Okay. That's come up again with this one because this movie does not have to be set in Japan. No. Japan is set dressing. As people pointed out, this movie could have been set in Finland and had some quirky Finnish society stuff, you know, and everything else. Whether or not he's, I don't think he has any ill intent, but I, I can see why people are upset. And there's a lot of great articles out there from, you know, Japanese Americans and Japanese talking about the cultural appropriation. So I think it's important to read that and just be mindful right? that, you know, this could have been done differently or maybe in a different way. But like I said, knowing Wes Anderson, from what I've read, I, like I said, I don't think there's any ill intent. I think he is a fan of Akira Kurosawa and Japanese society. Oh, yeah. And he was paying tribute in his own way. I'm not defending it, but I'm saying it, it's interesting to read, and I think everyone should take a look it, at that. And I agree. I agree with you, Adam. It should be considered. It should be discussed. It should be read about. It should be considered. Uh, it should be looked at into the film. To me, it didn't... Uh, it didn't appear that there was any irreverence to a culture whatsoever in the film. I, I just didn't perceive it that way. This isn't Breakfast at Tiffany's. Right, yeah. 
you know, there's no obvious characters. They're not really making fun of any no, Japanese no. parts of society. And, 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 you know, there's some some subtle undertones, social, political thing. All these dogs were rounded, rounded up and put on a trash island. Well, what happened in the 1940s here in America? Yeah. We rounded up all these Japanese and put them in camps, you know? And so there's a little bit of a um, flashback. And then there's very much an environmental message in this movie. How many different parts of the island were failed environmental pursuits, you know? Golf course. Yeah, golf course. And, and you know, that. and so, um, man, there's just so much good... But at the heart of this, and I know I'm going on and on, people probably want me to shut up, so I'll get to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter was a boy who loved his dog and was willing to go over, go past anything to get his dog back. And in the end, there's another dog who is astray and he bites. And, he, and it's not like he's a bad dog, it's just his nature. He bites, you know? And I thought that delivery was great, but he's affected by the love of this little boy. Mm -hmm. Dogs are affected by boys, you know, and it's not played misogynistic or none of that was, it's just kind of like, this is how it is, you know, kids and dogs, it's, it's their thing, you know? And I love that something tugged into the little kid that's inside of Roger. That's like, I totally relate to that Atari kid, you know, even with his head wound that he has the entire movie. That's great. Isn't that great? Yes. You know? Um, no, I think the emotional core of the movie is solid. Yeah. And it's, like you said, it's a story that dog lovers can relate to. Cats don't get... We know there's a cat dynasty out there trying to take over the world. Yeah. Cats don't really get a fair shake in this movie, but I don't care. I don't like cats. I don't like cats either. And Sorry, send me the hate mail. I know cats are supposedly great, but I'm a dog guy, so yeah. As they always say... If, if your cat was bigger, it would eat you or hunt you. Well, yeah, because <laughs> you think they're playing, but that's just their primal instinct to hunt. <laughs> oh, man. So I, I highly recommend Isle of Dogs. I don't think it's going to do huge numbers, and I don't think a lot of people are going to see this. Because I mean, it's, it's an outlier, Wes Anderson. He's he's had an uptick. I think both Moonrise and Grand Budapest did pretty well for him. Yeah. For me, this isn't top level Wes Anderson. It's up there, but I've only seen it the one time. I think I'd still give an edge to Fantastic Mr. Fox for animation. Okay, but it's middle of the pack Wes Anderson, which well, is good. I, I tell you, if that if that's the actual case, and I see some of these other films, I'm going to get blown away because it was a five star movie to me. I thought it was a perfect film. I, I didn't find hardly I didn't find anything really wrong with it. I laughed. I enjoyed it. Uh, I had no idea what to expect. I think if I'd have had an expectation going in, I might have felt a little differently. But it's just it's just nice to go to the theater every once in a while and have a cold experience where you see something and have no expectation, and you're just really, really surprised by it, you know? And so Isle of Dogs was that for me. I gave it five stars. It's It went right to the top of my best of 2018. It probably won't stay there all year, but right now it's the king. It's sitting there. And uh, on my letterbox list, that's where it is, you know. So, And that's the best thing. I mean, it happens a handful of times to me every year. But just walking out of a theater, drunk and loving a movie. Oh, I so was. Thinking about feeling. Thinking about it the whole way home, on the ride home, I was like thinking of all the different stories and the subplots. And, and um, it's here's this kind of true about Fantastic Mr. Fox, too. This is not a movie for kids. And it's not that. 
it's adult subject matter. It's just not written for kids. You know, no. it's a story yeah. that's more complex. And, you know, it's definitely made for adults. And that's not because of the subject matter, like I'm saying. It's just the, the story and the flow of it. And, and how about Scarlett Johansson as Nutmeg, her brief appearance, and the dog, there's this gorgeous dog up on top of this hill, and they're like, why is she so clean? We're not supposed to be that clean here on this island. <laughs> it's just that humor was just yeah. like incredible you know and and i loved how there was a mysterious pack of dogs on the other side of the island and all these rumors about these dogs and what they (laughs) the cannibals (laughs) the cannibals and stuff and then when you go and discover what they're really like that's a whole commentary on society willem dafoe plays their leader and he's he's a lot like excellent he's a lot like his character in life aquatic oh he's so great i tell you this movie the cast is unbelievable. Jeff Goldblum, Bill Murray, um, you know, just to mention a few. Um, I just loved it. Uh, Greta Gerwig was great. I mean, I Harvey Keitel was – that's right. He was in this movie as Gondo. I mean, it's just great. The, the movie just hit all my buttons. That's enough. I'm not going to say anything more about it, Adam. I highly recommend it. I loved Isle of Dogs. All right, we're going to come back with our final movie of the evening, and it's another comedy. It's The Death of Stalin. (laughs) I propose we call a doctor. (laughs) All the best doctors are dead. I can't remember who's alive and who isn't. It's Comrade Stalin. I'll take it from here. We need to start putting together a plan. How can you run and plot at the same time? We should get Stalin's children here. What are you doing to my father, you jackals? How old are you? I'm old. You're not old! You're not even a person! You're a testicle! Everything's gonna be fine. This is not exactly fine, is it? My father's lying there with his head open. Stalin would have wanted the committee as one. All those in favor. Carried. Unanimously. Rooshed? Not rooshed. Whatever. Not rooshed. Rooshed? Would you stop with this? I want to make a speech at my father's funeral. No, uh, no problem. Uh, technically, yes, but practically. When I said no problem, what I meant was no problem. All right, we're back, and it's time to discuss our final movie of the evening, a light comedy on a heavy subject. It's The Death of Stalin. Now, you just saw this today. This morning, 9.50 a.m., I opened our local independent film chain. And I saw this back in Fantastic Fest. Now, the twist here is it was the secret screening at Fantastic Fest. So when I saw this movie, I had no idea what I was about to see. No one did. I'd not seen the trailer for it. I knew nothing about this movie. So it starts, you know, the titles come on, The Death of Stalin. I don't know what I'm going to get at all. What is this? I hadn't seen anything on this movie, and it, it surprised me how funny it is. It's a comedy. Yeah. But all these events happened. They don't change much of the story. They're just kind of using comedic actors. Yeah. Steve Buscemi, Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah. To kind of poke fun at the absurd 
events that happened in the power of vacuum that, of the totalitarian regime that was in <laughs> Soviet Union in 1953. Supreme leader has yes. fallen, not quite dead, but he's fallen over and he's wet himself on the floor. Well, I literally, w- when that happened, I thought <laughs> these guys are just too afraid to say he's dead. Yes. I literally thought the whole time until he revived. <laughs> There's no succession plan. Uh, no one knows who's going to be in charge. Supreme Leader's now in bed. Everyone's kind of rallying their influence or their troops, whether it's secret right. police, whether it's the army of this whole cast of characters. Stalin's son is an idiot. Uh, he's lost the national hockey team, but he can't say that. So there's a <laughs> lot of funny scenes about that. Yes. His daughter doesn't have any taste for politics. They just need to keep her safe. And you have these other famous figures, a, a powerful general. Steve Buscemi plays Khrushchev, who, you know, was the guy that banged his shoe on the table at the UN. Yeah. Said, we'll destroy your children or whatever he said. So you have all these Russians that are trying to figure out how to survive yep. or how to be in charge. It's like Game of Thrones. Now, the one interesting twist on this movie is everyone uses their actual accent. It's a movie set in Russia. Played, They're all playing Russian characters, but there's no Russian accent in this movie. They are delivering everything in their native accent, which is American for most of them. And British. There's some British There's some British, but yeah, Yeah. there's no Russian accent. No. No one tries one. And it's by the people who brought us Veep. And that's a funny show, and the the fast delivery and kind of the awkward situations all carry over. This very much feels like Veep, but set in Russia after Stalin's fall. Yeah, my experience was very unique. I, I literally opened our local independent film chain this morning at 9.50 a.m., and they have it playing in their number one theater, their biggest theater. And I walk in, I'm the only person there. All the lights are on, like, no, not even dim lighting. I mean, it's fully lit up. Like, we haven't started the day yet, you know? And I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting there, and finally the lights go down, and the credits start, and I'm the only and I, So I literally watched the whole entire movie like it was a private screening. And I have to say, it really affected my ability to get into the movie. Yeah, I mean, a comedy early in the morning and alone is hard. Now, this is why they do screenings that we go to. They make critics watch, usually comedies, in packed houses, because that makes a difference. Yes. And uh, I knew it was funny. I knew it was smart. Um, The accent thing did throw me a little bit, you know? I, I... I thought Steve Buscemi was just great. I thought he... This is his best role in years. I mean, just fantastic. And, of course, I know enough about history to know what's going to occur, and I know who the next leader was, and I knew it was Buscemi. Khrushchev takes over afterwards, you know? And I thought, well, if they're sticking to history, and I'm like, how is it going to get to that point? You know, because it just does not look like he's going to be the next leader, you know? And so even that whole journey, the whole funeral, I mean, just everything that went on is very smart, very funny, set up very well, very well acted, but I'm just having a hard time getting into the movie. It just didn't connect with me, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe if I'd have seen it on a th- Thursday or Friday night with a packed house, it might have been a little bit different, you know? Um, and the accent thing did really kind of bother me. I've got to be honest. I didn't like that everybody spoke in their their native language, whatever, you know? I thought about this movie. I saw it way back in September. And I thought about it after I saw Red Sparrow because people had kind of knocked Jennifer Lawrence a little bit for her theatrical Russian accent, saying it was too much. And I thought, well, it's still maybe better than doing no accent, you know, like this. 
and even Red October, you know, go back to that. You've Scott, you've Sean Connery, Scotland himself, trying to play a Russian a officer. Scottish Russian accent <laughs> yeah, doesn't work. <laughs> hey, I like Red October though. That's yeah, my, right. that's one of my guilty pleasures. But I, I knew I was in love with this movie from the start. I love the opening sequence of the radio, where they're they're playing the the yes. orchestra for the radio. Yeah, and then they realize they didn't record it, and Supreme Leader wants that recording on his desk in the morning to hear it again. And this shows you the nation, how absurd it is, how afraid they are of Stalin. And let's be honest, there's maybe a handful of people worse than Stalin that have ever lived. This is true. He's top five worst guy of all time. Yes. So. Yeah. And this is making fun of. And he just murdered people left and right who he did, <laughs> yeah. who, who got into his and way. And the movie's poking fun at that. There's always secret lists of who's getting yes. executed tonight. And, and it's like you're going down the hall and you're hearing, you know, what was the phrase they kept uttering? Long live Stalin. Pop. Long live Stalin. Pop. Long live Stalin. Pop. Played for laughs. And that's you where know? it gets absurd because yeah. it was absurd. Yeah. Well, what I also liked about this movie is I don't know the last time I've seen a comedy like this. You know, they don't make comedies like this. This felt like maybe a little bit Mel Brooks with the absurdism, but without the slapstick. There's no slapstick in this maybe movie. Maybe a little Coen Brothers. Little Coen Brothers. Because it wasn't real graphic. I mean, it doesn't show a lot of blood. and I mean, you get a little bit, but not like, you know, you know Tarantino makes this movie. It's a splatter fest. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And still done. He could have done it deadpan and for comedy. But, but the, it, the verbal barbs back and forth is, is a what, lot different. Yeah. It's what reminded me of kind of Mel Brooks with that part of his comedy. Yep. So I was just excited to see that. It was fun, and this will always change my experience, seeing this completely blind. Death of Stalin, what is this? It's a, it's funny. It's Wow, I can't believe they made a movie like this. That's what my thought was when I was seeing this, that I, I really can't be, believe the people from Veep made this. So, Adam, there's two schools of thoughts here. And I'd be interested to get which one you are. There's the school of thought that says, avoid all trailers, go in cold, get that fresh, brand new experience. I love it, you know. And then there are other people who want to know every single detail, would even like to know the whole plot because they enjoy the experience of seeing how they got to be there. Like, as an example, I want the surprise. The less I know about something, the more I enjoy it when I experience it in the moment. My wife, literally, every book that she reads, she goes and reads the last chapter to figure out what it is, and she enjoys the journey of how it got there. She wants to have all the movies spoiled, and then she'll watch it. And there are a lot of people that are like that, you know. I I would say you probably fall into the... To the, the, the first camp, people that enjoy the freshness of it, enjoy the non-surprise? It depends. I mean, there's movies where I really think you're better off not seeing a trailer. Because there are movies that are really hard to cut a trailer for. It. Most recently, there's a horror movie called Better Watch Out that the trailer ruins the movie. You know, I had the, I had the luck of seeing it before a trailer was cut because I played a film festival. And it's one of those movies that takes such a big turn early in the movie that you can't make a trailer for it. But then there's other movies where the trailer's fine. It sells you on the movie. You may not have seen the movie if it wasn't for the trailer. Um, I, I talked about Hereditary the last trailer, in the last episode. I think that's a great trailer because it sets up right. the mood. The atmosphere doesn't give you the threat. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't ever spoil myself completely before going into a movie. I, I, you know, I have found with like, and I know we've sidetracked here, but it's just fun to talk about. I have found with the the Marvel movies now. 
less is better for me. I don't want to know a whole lot. When I have went in, like I went in and saw Ant-Man, totally cold, loved it. Was Had no expectation, you know. I literally went into Guardians of the Galaxy 2, knowing generally, but not really a whole lot, loved it, you know. Thor Ragnarok, I didn't have a clue really what it was about. That's I just, a ride. I just knew that he was going to face the Hulk in an arena or something like that, you know. Loved it, you know. So so those, I'm kind of with the Marvel movies, but like now a Star Wars movie, I kind of want to know every little single, I want to watch every trailer over and over and over and over and over. Yeah. I want every little piece of that. But like Marvel, I, I'm kind of getting to where I don't want to know any more about Marvel movies. You know, I want to just go in and watch them. You know, I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> well, we're heading into Avengers Infinity War, and the trailers have not given away the plot, really. They've shown scenes and stuff, but, you know, that's they've left that kind of vague. Well, too. you mentioned on an earlier podcast, Marvel's famous for doing the old switcheroo on you. With they will trailers. with the trailers. So don't believe everything you see in a trailer. So, so, so you some things you do like to know ahead of time, some yeah, things you don't. I'm, I'm mixed. I mean, I always like going in cold, but that's not always possible. Trailers are not an evil, but I don't want to say they're necessarily evil, but they, they do get you to go see a movie. Yeah. Well, A Quiet Place I, got me to great go trailer. see it. Great yeah. trailer. The trailer was great. Hereditary scared the snot out of me. I'm not going to go see it. It's a double-edged sword for you. But you know what I'm saying? It, you know, so yeah. So they do have their place, absolutely. But anyway, back to Death of Stalin. Um, Here, I think a trailer is necessary. Yes. It's such an off-kilter movie that... You may just not like it, and you can tell from the trailer. I think you can watch this trailer and yeah. tell if this is for you it's or not. It just not might not be for me the way it's done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, and this isn't like theatrical viewing. This is fine at home, probably later at night, the nine fifty a.m. Yes, but this is perfectly fine viewing at home, and I, I think it'll be on VOD shortly if it's not already. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think it's on VOD yet, but it'll be soon. Yeah. So. Man, is that going to wrap it up for our podcast, Adam? It will. We covered three this episode, too. It was a lot of fun, man. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and we'll wrap things up. You're listening to The Film Coterie. And we are back, and um, we have some exciting stuff. Avengers is coming up, man. Infinity War, right? Yes, next week. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe it's here. I'm so excited. We have our tickets. Fandango is reporting, and this is their own quote, that Infinity War is outselling, at this point, the last seven Marvel movies combined. Oh, my gosh. That is crazy. And if you look anywhere with reserved seating, they're sold out all night for the good it, seats. It literally has turned into a Star Wars phenomenon. I mean, it's that much a hype. I'm not kidding. It, 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 here in Columbus, if you buy advanced tickets that are assigned seating, like Adam said, every one of them sold Front out. Front row only left. Yeah. It's crazy. And, so, I mean, they've done such good building blocks right before this. Because if you were getting superhero fatigue, I think they've helped by having... Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther yes. be so different and so good. Yes. 
that that's helped build interest for this. Infinity and it's kind of giving you a little bit of a breather away from the, uh, you know, the Avengers team. You know, if this was coming right after Age of Ultron or oh, Civil yeah. War, you wouldn't have the same interest. No, I agree. Very excited. So that's coming right up. Um, and uh, we may even end up doing a spoiler cast with that. Separately. I think there'll be stuff to talk about because Avengers Four, which they've they've shot, they shot these back to back. They won't even tell us the name of it because it's a spoiler. Right. The name will be revealed in 30 days after this comes out, allegedly. Well, I, I was thinking they were going to do the name of it at the end credits, maybe. They could. I mean, the original I mean, scoop. I think, I think that's going to be, if I had to do a prediction, my prediction is, you know how they always do the bumpers or the, the end little gap. I think the last thing is they. The Avengers will return in. In, in the name of the movie. The Fall of Earth. I don't know what it's going to be. That's know. just me guessing. And so, um, do we want to get into a little bit of Avengers uh, or Infinity War predictions or thoughts at all? I don't know that we can. Cause, okay. I mean, I really don't know. I don't. Do you think they'll kill a character off? Yes. So you think somebody will die? I think multiple people might die. Maybe that's what we can do. Let's let's predict. What? Let's predict multiple the deaths okay. of Infinity War. Okay. Spider-Man, die or live? <laughs> Spider-Man lives. He's got another movie going. No, I mean, we'll do it in an envelope. Oh, okay. There we, we go. We have no inside knowledge. This is like when no we did the knowledge. episode eight guess. Yes. We will just take our guess at who lives and who dies in the cast. Yeah. And we'll see who's right. Or maybe that we're both terrible at this. I have two names, two characters that if I had to bet, I think is going to bite it. I bet yours are the same two as well. <laughs> Agent Coulson again. Agent Coulson for the third time. (laughs) But yeah, we'll, we'll do some predictions and we'll share them with you. But yeah, I mean, summer kicks off officially with Avengers and then we got solo and Deadpool two following shortly after that in Jurassic world and a whole bunch of other solo. I'm really concerned about. Yeah. The the most recent trailers give me more hope. I like that one. I think it's going to be a train wreck. (laughs) It has a train in it. They're robbing a train. It's going to be a wreck, too. You wait and see. <laughs> it is kind of silly. They end with Chewie in danger, if you saw that. He's falling off the train, heading for a I rock. Think, I think he survives. <laughs> yeah, safe bet that <laughs> Chewie makes it through this movie. Why even tease us that he's in danger? Uh, but we are, we're about to hit some of the really fun season. It's hard to believe, man, we're we're coming into our like our second year of doing this and our second go-through and... This is the 62nd thing we've recorded. So So this is getting to be fun, Adam. I'm enjoying this. I'm not tiring of it at all. It's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, And if you've been enjoying it, listening to us, how can they find us, Adam, on the interwebs? The best place is always Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash filmcoterie. We are also on Twitter, Instagram, and Vero with the same hashtag, and that is at filmcoterie. Yep. We recently retooled our website to make it more streamlined and you can just get to what you want quicker. Yeah. So it's, it, it's basically our podcast and our written reviews. Yep. It's just www.filmcoterie.com. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm Roger and that's Adam and uh, you've been listening to the film coterie podcast. We'll see you next time. And I can't believe I'm saying this with Avengers infinity war. All right. We'll catch you later. <laughs>